Welcome everyone to the No Fear Podcast. This is episode number 12 and I'm really excited for the guest today. It's Kim Brogney. We have quite a history together so I will probably know all the answers to all my questions but you guys are in for a treat with with the stories that she'll have to share and the journey that she's been on and continues to go on. So with that said, Kim, do you want to just share a brief history about yourself and tell everyone who you are? Yeah. Well, first of all, we should be doing episode 13. I was just thinking about this because we used to always say everything is 13 years from now. Yeah. When <laughs> when we pretended to have our shit together and we'd say, well, maybe in 13 years we will. But the funny thing is, the 13 years never changed. After we worked together for five years, we still kept saying 13 years. <laughs> so anyway, we'll just pretend this is episode 13. So yeah, a little uh, background of myself. I have been a serial entrepreneur, as I like to say, for a really long time. So been in the real estate industry for 25 years. First 15 years I was in sales, and then the last 10 years I was in management in different brokerages. Um, Scott and I had the privilege of working together. He was my boss. Well, kind of. Um, at least kind of in title. I don't know. <laughs> I maybe bossed him around a little bit more <laughs> than he bossed me around. And then most recently, back in January of 2023, yes, that's the year we're in, I decided to retire from that management role and launch my own coaching and speaking business. So, so you've always been... For, the, for, a, for a long time, you've always been an entrepreneur or kind of your own boss or just in that sales world. Did you ever have a, a, a nor, I would say normal, but you know a what I mean? Job? Like a, yeah, a real job before, <laughs> before that? You know, where it's W-2. Um, well, before I got into real estate in 1908. Um, <laughs> Could you, did, did you cough there? What happened? <laughs> um, yes. I was in sales though. I was. I had my full line of insurance license. That's right. And so I sold uh, group health insurance, uh, group life insurance to independent contractors. Okay. Interesting enough. So I worked with a lot of attorneys and uh, dentists. And at that time, as a sole proprietor, you could actually get group products. So that was still sales. Before that. Um, I mean, before that, I was in college. So, uh, you know, most of the time I tended to be in roles where I had an opportunity to make more than just the base salary. Mm -hmm. So even the last 10 years, I've had some security because I've been in management. And so there was a base salary, but then there was also bonuses and commission. Okay. So to, that drives you or that wires you to need that extra, that extra push? Or not need it, but it just... I mean, just to have that, the thought of how hard you work, you could get compensated more? I mean, I would say that yes, but I also just think I gravitate towards opportunities or positions that provide that. Mm -hmm. So I like to build, I like to create, I like to... Um, I don't know when it comes when it comes to building and creating it's going to be potentially a small business that I'm starting or it's going to be a sales position so I don't know if it's necessarily that it's just I like to build okay. I don't know how else to explain it yeah I don't think I know this but what did you graduate with 
Okay, so we're going to get really open and honest and vulnerable okay. here. So I actually flunked out of college. Mm. Like with Bill <laughs> Gates? <laughs> yes, with Bill Gates. So, yeah. I, I mean, didn't know that. I I'll never be, asked that. I'll be it honest. It didn't come up in your interview. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> so, well, as we like to say, there's proven talent and there's emerging talent. And so I had a lot of proving talent, mm-hmm. proven talent and things that I have done along, even when I was in high school, a lot of leadership that showed up along the way. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, looking back, um, it's part of the journey that I have been on for quite a while of really reflecting about my perception and how I feel about myself and labels that have been put on me when I grew up. And there were some labels that were put on me that I believe held me back. I believe that the reason that I did not make it in college is because I didn't believe that I was smart. Hmm. So it's been a journey. And now you, we're going on a little rabbit hole here, yeah, but now you have two, you have two just, daughters that are college age. Yes. Does that, what, it, how do you pass that knowledge down to them? Or do they, you know, <laughs> do they not, do they not care because it's mom or whatnot? But are you, I'm just curious if that has been um, brought up to them like or. A topic. Yeah. Or changed how you parent to them a little bit or your message. Um, I would say, first of all, when it comes to college, I do not believe that college is for everyone. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Two, they are in college and that is their choice. And so the conversations that we've had around education and potential based on who you are and what you're looking to do as a career, as a person contributing to society, as we're all here to bring our strengths Um, and make money from it. I mean, we all have to make money in order to live the good life and to make a bigger difference. Um, Those have been our conversations. And Mm -hmm. it just so happens that my oldest is going into nursing. You need a degree. And that is really her passion, her talent. That's what she's meant to do. My youngest, however, I believe she'd be a really great realtor. So, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a degree to be a great real estate agent. Um, and we've talked about that, but you know, right now she needs to figure that out on her own. And so she's going to school and business. You'll laugh at this. Okay. So you're going to really appreciate this. She was door knocking this summer. Oh my goodness. So she had an opportunity with this group that she belongs to, to door knock. It's called protect the waterways. And so basically she's door knocking neighborhoods that where they're cherry picking homes that are close to drain drains, you know, storm drains and door knocking and asking if they'd be willing to basically sign that, hey, we'll protect the waterways. And I'm like, well, seriously, girl, you're door knocking. Do you want to at the same time ask them if they want (laughs) to sell their their home, right? Like, hello, the signs are on the wall. You should be in real estate. But that's awesome. She'll have to figure that out on her own. I appreciate that. I didn't intend and I already found out something new that I didn't know. So, but that is the whole point of this podcast is those labels we give ourselves or the the voice that you you tell yourself so it's interesting to see that you're aware that that was something that caused that and and how you've grown and so you were in real estate sales for quite a while and then what was what what was the main reason you decided to get into management and out of the sales Mm, that's a really good question Well, as much as I say I've been in real estate for 25 years, there was a short stint where I left real estate. And so during um, 
the crash, if you will, of 2006, 2008, we were in a family position where we were in some significant debt. And I have always been the main breadwinner. It was also at a time where my children um, you know, needed me at home. Um, my husband is a, at that time was a full-time firefighter working 24-hour shifts. And just, we had a lot of challenges. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna leave real estate. I'm going, it's really hard right now. And keep in mind that was also at a time when we weren't signing digitally. So think. Did <laughs> <laughs> you have GPS? <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by that is you would have to actually go to somebody's house to get a contract signed. So I just, I, I don't do know that. if we can imagine <laughs> that world, but imagine um, it's 8 p.m. at night. You have two babies. Your husband is not there. You don't have family nearby, and you have to go get a counter signed. Mm -hmm. So a different time, right? A different challenge. Well, where am I going to find a babysitter at 8 p.m. because we have to, you know, get something signed right away? So it was a different time, challenging. So I left for a short period of time. Long story short, I at one point worked for a tech company, and so I approached all of the real estate companies that I knew and basically strong armed them and say, "Hey, listen, I got to practice my presentation. We all need tech." And so you're gonna meet with me. And so what had happened was I was meeting with a brokerage and they basically turned the tables on me and said, hey, we're looking to hire somebody in a recruiting leadership role. We don't really need your technology, but we'd love to bring you back into the real estate world. Yeah. And so it was a lesson learned. You never wanna burn a bridge because you never know when it's going to come back full circle. I knew real estate was in my heart. I knew it would I, it would come back to me sometime. I just didn't know when it would be. Yeah. And full circle, I was an agent for this brokerage, and they were like, "Hey, we'd love to hire you in a leadership role." So that's really how it happened. Okay. <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday because I worked for that brokerage for a short stint, and I remember first meeting you, <laughs> and you were just like. There was just so much. Actually, the first time I met you was at an event or a yeah, training, yeah. and you just were like, hey, Scott, come here. And I was like, kind of, okay. And then you're like, give me three business cards, and on the back of them, write three names of people that I can call to get to join. And I was like, okay. And so I did it and, like, gave it to you. And it was just kind of a, I mean, it was very, you, you were very good at getting that out of me in, in the first <laughs> time that I met you and I was like wow she is uh she's passionate about what she does and I remember just them being very excited that you were back and you know the the name and everything that was there so uh and then when I left you were good at calling and texting and trying to get me back so it's just more relentless uh and we say you're in management but really you were in recruiting yeah i really was so the question and you some sort of recruiting for that time whether whatever brokerage it was in so from what i know of your role and and that game is for whatever reason like realtors don't like to be recruited Mm -hmm. uh if if you're in other industries and someone says hey do you want to meet in have a go out to lunch or have a drink and we can just talk i i feel or i think that it's a compliment like you're doing a good job i want you at my company but in real estate it's almost like the natural 
first response is F you or, or just oh, like, is. why are you calling yes. me? You're, you know, go, yes. do not call me. Right. And so can you talk about that? You're just constantly needing to set your mindset for rejection every mm-hmm. single day, multiple times a day for a decade. Like yeah. that had to take its toll on you. Well, first of all, we're all always recruiting. So that's where to start your mindset. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what your business is. If you're um, a baker and you make cupcakes, well, you're recruiting new clients. If you are you own a restaurant, you want to recruit new raving fans to your restaurant that go out there and tell everybody about it. So I think, first of all, it was a mindset of just, hey, I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to... Um, find somebody who has a problem and if the timing is right they'll be willing to meet with me so I can show them how we can help them with that problem Mm -hmm. and so that was first of all and I'm not gonna lie after 10 years I was ready to do something else Um, I was ready to make a bigger difference so four years I did make a difference in hundreds of people's lives whether they choice chose to be recruited or not it was still a conversation that potentially got, you know, got them to open their mind and think about different things. And so, yeah, I mean, really, we're all small business owners, right? That's probably who's listening here. We're entrepreneurs, we're we're big dreamers. We gotta go recruit people. We gotta go find people that we can solve problems of. Yeah, So. for sure. And and one thing that just came to my head is at Keller Williams, we have a, a set hiring process and the first step is called the KPA, which is stands for the Keller Personality Assessment. And what I love about this assessment is it's not stating whether someone passes or fails or is good or bad. It really focuses on their personality. Yes. And the goal is to find a role or a job that if they could wake up, the, the person could wake up and do what they love doing, and then that's what the job entails, that's a perfect match. So we have these, this, we quantify it with a number. A one is a perfect match. A five, 0.5 is obviously half match. If you're a perfect match for a role, it doesn't mean you're necessarily good or bad at it. It just means that you would love doing it long term. And what I sensed uh, for a, a while is that personality of that recruiting role, it takes so much mental fortitude and strength to get in the mindset of, let's go after this, that that part became draining. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Almost mm-hmm. to just get yourself in the mindset of, hey, I'm going to go do this mm-hmm. versus we'll get into it. But now I feel like you get to just wake up and just be who you are and want to be. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, I definitely would say that. It was probably <clears throat> a long term, you know, years. I would say I think you and I probably two, three years we knew it, it I would be better served to be doing something else because mm-hmm. it is pretty tough to constantly have to deal with rejection. And honestly, there's also other parts of the position that I was introduced to. I wouldn't be running my own coaching and speaking business if I wasn't in that role. Yeah. Part of that role was also if I'm going to meet with you and you don't want to be recruited today, it was finding out what's holding you back from reaching your goals. And so that's a conversation that becomes a coaching conversation. Uh, for many, many years, I 
I spoke, right? I was up in front of a room on a weekly basis. How do I bring inspiration and hope and um, everybody in the room some energy to go take action? Yeah. And so, you know, also let's be honest, I had an accident that, you know, a traumatic accident that also caused me to slow down and really reflect on what I wanted in the second half of my life. I'm 50 years old, right? Yeah. I got 50 more years to live. And so it was, what do I really want to do that brings me joy and at the same time can impact at a greater level? So I think it was a combination of everything. It was a combination of burnout. It was a combination of a traumatic accident that, accident that forced me to slow down. And it was also, I'm getting older. Something happens. I hate to admit it, but I'm like, oh, really? Is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And so, I mean, that's just a fact. You look at things differently as you continue to get older. And so that's really what brought me to eventually saying, I'm going to go do something different. I didn't even know what I was going to do. I just knew when I gave notice in November 2022 and I said you know what I'm going to be retiring and I think it's a good thing for the company as well and people would say well what are you going to do and I said I don't know (laughs) but I do know I will figure it out that much I knew there's so much I want to unpack here a little bit and and we'll get to that piece because that's huge when we talk through your what you're doing now Mm -hmm. uh what is the average job tenure of a team leader we call your role a team leader in keller williams do you remember the average i think it's 18 months so 18 months and how long did you do it almost eight years so just that alone has a lot of clout to you and what i would when i'm looking back on it you're someone that is going to go all in you're not going to just dabble with something so Oh my gosh, it's so funny you say that. Okay, keep going. Your hours weren't 8 to 5 or 9 to 5. Your hours were 7 to 9, and I don't mean 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., or, you know, most days. And then we're very numbers-driven. So get 40 appointments a month, get 10 agents here, keep, you know, this amount. And and it's just constant, constant numbers. In order to get 40 appointments, you got to call this many people a day and you know you're gonna have this many people no show so the I would just sense and feel these bursts of roller coaster energy almost where some days you would just be so in and you're like I'm gonna do this we're gonna make this happen and then some days you just you could tell it was just like you were physically drained and you were just gonna do it anyways but you know what I mean you you went through this for that last I think couple years of this little bit of this roller coaster of because uh, doubt creeps in mm. like oh my mm. numbers aren't here am I good enough at this or whatever and you got to do a job that demanding with with those thoughts and doubts and all of that it's just looking back on it it's pretty remarkable and also like you're probably you you have a better energy or presence about you right now I can just tell you've mm. found yourself so that was just that's just me talking, seeing you and being close to you right now. And when you so when you started as a team leader, we both started at Keller Williams at the same time. Yeah. This office in New Berlin didn't exist. So we'd had no team to lead. Mm-hmm. You you're from the city over, but you got hired to run the office in the North Shore, which mm-hmm. As much as it's close, it is a whole nother world mm-hmm. in terms of everyone knew you here. 
Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people knew you there. So you ran that for how many years? Two and a half? Two years. Two yeah. years? So that was, it was great knowing you were part of the company, but also it's, it sucked for me because it was like, well, we want Kim. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, we, we got launched. We got up to, I think, 40 or 50 agents. And it just made sense that you would move mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the day or the week. I was on vacation. I was at the Kalahari. And it was just the plan was like, hey, I think it makes the most sense for Kim to come to your office. And I was like, oh, my God, for real? And then you were, I mean, you were making more you, making more money there because it was more established. There was more profits. Yes. There was all that. And so you took a step back mm-hmm. temporarily. But I remember the list because I journal every day. And it was like pros. And it was like, I knew you could lead a team meeting. You bleed Keller Williams. You've been to all the conventions. Mm-hmm. You know how to recruit. You know how to do the appointment. It, it was just like, it was the, it, it was just like that 10x moment of excitement. Mm-hmm. I just, I was so thankful that that happened because the worst part about being an operating principal is not having a team leader. <laughs> so that was one of the top moments of, of the career was just saying, all right, we're going to get Kim. And I remember the excitement around the room and the world and not the world, the room was just so palpable. And you said you, your job was to bring us energy. It was like your meetings were just, you had to be exhausted after them. I don't know if you give that much energy to 70 people. I don't know. Actually, that's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that was part of the discovery too, right? It's a piece of the job description, but it's not the number one piece. Yeah. Um, and so I I love to bring energy to a room. Yeah. Love it. So that was the easy part for me. Yep. And the recruiting piece was very easy in the beginning, don't get me wrong. We got to 100 very qu- pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, that was super exciting because I felt like, I know you and I talked about that, the the biggest way we can make a difference is as quickly as possible get to 100. Something happens yeah. when you get to 100, right? Yep. Um, and so, I I mean, I didn't. we didn't have a problem doing that at all in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was super easy. <clears throat> well, you mentioned this about your job description at the time. It was, it was hey, you're a recruiter. Oh, right. and by the way, yeah. you have to lead the meetings. You got to lead an executive leadership team of five. Mm-hmm. You got to consult and coach and, and retain the top 20% of producing agents, you, you know, and then, and then, and then, and then. And it was like, but we'll just sweep that under the rug because your <laughs> metrics are re- go recruit. And I think that if, if the role was somehow more coaching and consulting, that it, like what you're doing now, that, that kept you in it, that piece yeah, filled yeah. you. Because you led the, the agent leadership council and you just bring tremendous mm-hmm. value and mm-hmm. we could see their, their business growing and their lives changing. Mm-hmm. So um, before we get to your new job, tell me about your accident and oh, what yeah. happened and just how that played into things. Yeah, so January 2022, uh, skiing with my groom of 25 years. 
your groom. <laughs> Are you still unsure? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just think it's more fun to say It groom. is more fun. <laughs> um, and my youngest daughter at that time was a senior in high school and uh, fell and no big deal. Actually, we kind of laugh at it because my daughter has a picture, a Snapchat picture that she was sending to her older sister mom down. We always laugh at it because mom's always down. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest, I tripped four times in the last month. Birkenstocks, <laughs> not a good idea. Now, only two times I was drinking, but two times I was not. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I fell and was not getting back up. Long story short, I broke my tibia, fibula, and I shattered my ankle and had to have surgery and now have a rod and screws um, in my leg. Here's though what happened looking back is I did not take off. So I looked back at my calendar and it was less than two weeks from being back and I was on a Zoom. Mm -hmm. No fault of anybody's. That's what you do when you're a small business is you just do. And if you have a leadership members like member who's like, yeah, I'm gonna have one foot in and one foot out, you just do, right? Mm -hmm. um, and really looking back and being reminded even by my orthopedic surgeon, which by the way, she wasn't just an orthopedic surgeon, she was a trauma surgeon. So she kept saying to me like, you have to understand that this was a trauma. This was a traumatic injury, not, you didn't just break your leg. And so it was quite a while, right? Weeks went by where I was like one foot in, one foot out. Oh, I'm gonna have my husband drive me and I'll just, you know, be in my wheelchair and I can only work part of the day and yeah. whatever. And I had a breakdown. And so I should have taken off in the beginning. Somebody should have told me, Kim, do not come back for at least six weeks. In fact, maybe even 10 weeks because, oh, by the way, you cannot actually, you know, like that might have even been the best way to start, but I didn't because I'm a go, 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 go big or go home, like you said it earlier. And so then I did take a leave of absence for six weeks. If you remember, it was yeah. March 15th. Yep. So keep in mind, I had the accident on January 29th. It wasn't until March 15th okay. that I took a leave of absence. Yeah, and that that Oof. was just, I remember that time. It was just like traumatic for me even. But you, <laughs> so you took a six week, and then I think that's when I don't know when, if it's you know, a couple of days, you're probably so wound and mentally you can't think much. But during that process now spawns this idea of more or less what's next. Yeah. And I really love what you said earlier that you didn't know what you're going to do, but you, you had enough confidence in yourself that you knew you're going to figure it out. So can you talk about all the, not all the avenues, because I know you explored a ton, but that process of saying you're stepping down, not knowing what you're going to do, and what you did to find what you're doing now? First off, I would recommend anybody who's listening, if you have any trauma happening in your life, take time off. Yeah. That's one. Two, what I did during the time off caused me to reflect. So I decided to, one, I pulled out like every assessment I ever took of myself, uh, about myself, from Anneogram to Strength Finders to DISC to the Keller Williams Personality Assessment, and I read it. And I didn't just read it, I processed it. Because we tend to kind of brush through, right? Like, 
oh, yeah, that's right. I am a learner, right? Oh, whatever. Because we don't take time. It's about ourselves. We mm-hmm. might take time if we're hiring somebody, but I, I internalized it. I processed it. I was like, this is who I am. And there were patterns. And there were things that kept showing up over and over and over again. And so that was one. So that's one recommendation I give to a lot of people when they're trying to figure out what their next is. Like really internalize and embrace who you are. You don't need to be somebody else. You're put on this earth for a reason. Um, And then when we get to the point of the confidence and knowing what was next, I just believe at that moment, I... (laughs) You know, it's funny that you asked me this about college. So here's what I revealed during this whole time in journaling. And I share this story now in my my keynote is when I grew up, um, I was the oldest of three girls and there we were labeled and I kind of forgot about it. And so we were labeled the athletic one, the smart one and the pretty one, Mm -hmm. the athletic one, the smart one and the pretty one. When you're labeled the pretty one, you don't think you're smart. When you're labeled the pretty one, especially in the 80s and 90s, for those that have watched Pretty in Pink, St. Amal's Fire, 16 Candles, dig those babies up. You're the star cheerleader. You date the top football player. But what you don't do is you are not academically smart. And I'm a go big or go home, so it's kind of funny that you say that kind of gal. And I went big. I went big on being the pretty one. Homecoming queen. I mean, I hit it out of the park. (laughs) (laughs) Out of the park. I mean, to the point where I truly believe the reason. I mean, don't get me wrong. I also liked to party when I was in college because I was in full-time college for 18 months at UW-Green Bay. But I also believe in reflecting that I honestly did not have the confidence in myself, nor did I believe, like deep down in my core, that I had intelligence. Mm-hmm. I also didn't realize the intelligence that I had because traditional school doesn't necessarily teach you, first of all, how to learn. I've now, I now know how I learn. Um, and I don't ever remember anybody talking to me about sales or leadership or motivational speaking or coaching or all these things that I know I've been put on this earth to do. Mm -hmm. And so part of that whole reflection was the really what is the perception I have of myself? And part of the perception I had of myself was allowing people to put labels on me that held me back. And that was the life that I was living for so long. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that was a lot. But yeah. literally, that's what happened okay. when I was forced to slow down and really take a look at myself. Amazing. That, <laughs> it, I mean, it does take that. You're just, it's, you're spinning your wheels like Groundhog's Day every single day. And you'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah. You'll get to it tomorrow. Okay. So then what, what came about now that you knew that, now that you had that aha? Okay, so there's a, a defining, there's a little bit of a defining moment, <clears throat> and her name is Janine Warner. Okay. So here's what happened. I was at Bold, and I was going at that time as a team leader, and I was kind of in, kind of out at that time, because I had already given notice, and she came up to me and she said, Kim, you should start your own coaching business, and I was like, no, 
no, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to start another thing, whatever, whatever. I kind of ignored her. And then she sent me a text. I should pull it up and read it. And it said something like, um, I would pay you to coach me. So how much would you charge? So she put it out there. And I was like, shit, how much would I charge? I haven't even thought about it. You're, you're, you're going to laugh. I literally, because I love to build things, I went home and I was like, I'm going to build this whole thing out. I'm going to go buy a domain name. So I went and I was like, for the love of coaching. Okay, got that. For the love of coaching 25 at gmail.com. And so I just went on and on and on and built it. And so she, for whatever reason, I needed to hear it from somebody else. Yeah. And that's not just somebody. No, I mean, that's, that's not just somebody. That's like the CEO of the world. Actually, the CEO of the number one team in the whole entire state of Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 Like she, I mean, and she's been coached her entire life. She's had life coaches, business coaches, whatever. And so that it was, it was a defining moment. And also it was listening. And so that would be my number, my other recommendation for people, like listen to what people tell you, right? So like if somebody comes up to you and they're like, oh my gosh, these pickles, my mother-in-law makes pickles and they're so good. And you should, you should like sell these or you should do this. The, the, the things that when we get complimented that we naturally throw away. Yeah. I don't know why we do that. Like, literally, somebody could say to me, you know, oh, I love that dress. And I would be like, oh, this whole piece of crap, right? <laughs> like, we don't actually accept the compliments that people give us. We throw them away. You're very good at that. And they're gifts. <laughs> You're very good at that. <laughs> like, if someone, I, you know, someone says something nice about you, you're like, yeah, I don't think you hear it. <laughs> no, I used to not yeah, hear it. Yeah. I do hear it now. Good. Because first of all, when somebody compliments you, that's a gift. Yeah. And if you don't ex- you if you don't actually take that from them, you've just basically taken their gift, thrown it up, and you know whatever, thrown it away. Well, I've been known to do that. Too. It's like um, cookies, or was yeah, it- cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wasting the calories on these. <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> And so when Janine, I didn't know that story either. Yeah. So when she said that to you, that was obviously October, it was a November. Moment. Were you already you you researched? I mean, yes. dozens and dozens, dozens of opportunities. Dozens. Was that dozens. after you researched them or during it was or during. before? Okay. So I kept an Excel spreadsheet. I had fifty-seven conversations with different people within the. Keller Williams ecosystem and the real estate ecosystem overall that is a blessing about being in real estate is there's a lot of big thinkers, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people that own their own businesses within businesses. I had a lot of conversations. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so now you've had all these conversations, you're weighing them all out, pros and cons. Uh, What, so what did you then, what do you do now? What did you decide to do? Well, after breaking the news to my husband that I would not be making any predictable income um, and him being supportive of it, I just pulled the trigger. I'm a go big or go home Mm kind of gal. And I was like, that's it. It was before the end of the year. I want to say it was like the last week in December. I was like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go build a coaching business. Started with coaching. Then it turned into speaking and 
becoming an author and all that other kind of stuff. But yes, I just was like, I'm going to do it. And what I did in January is exactly what anybody does when they're building a business. I reached out to everybody that I knew to tell them. I had 32, 32 what I call deep dive conversations. This is where I do a little bit of a deep dive into your goals of why they are important. And some of them decided that they needed coaching or we were aligned because I'm not looking to, I want to make sure we're aligned. That's what's most important when you find a coach is there's got to be alignment there. But I just did it, went went for it. Okay. And And there was a need. I'll be honest, there's a difference between need and want. I also needed to make money. (laughs) Okay. So this is exactly how I got into real estate. In 1998, I left. At that time, I was 24 years old. I left a position where I was making a predictable about 50,000 a year. And I ripped the Band-Aid off, I quit, and I went into real estate. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. I didn't want to try it. I didn't want to try it. Because if you try it, you're going to be the 80 to 90% that fail. If you've got one foot in, one foot out, and a plan B, you're not going to make it. No plan B, no just trying it. I am going all in. Yeah. Period. That's what I do. And I need to make money because my income matters based on the lifestyle that we want to live and that we work so hard to get to. And we have two kids in college. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know why they can't just get into real estate day one. But. <laughs> so, okay. So now what is your, what do your ideal clients look like? Or what is your client load? And then what is, what is your ideal client look like? Yeah. So I love that question. So I would say I'm eight months in, I'm still, you know, figuring it out, but I will say this. So I carry a client um, roster right now of 15. I'm looking to get to 20. That's really my, where I would like to be so I can do some other things. I would, 50% of them are in the real estate industry and 50% are not. So the 50% that are, they, uh, my coaching is executive level. So it's top teams. Um, I do have some broker owners. I have coaching clients all over the country now. Um, So I have one gentleman in South Carolina. He owns a brokerage, and so that's a different conversation. And he also owns a staging company and a couple other ancillary businesses. And then the 50% that are not, I have a gentleman that owns a plumbing company. I have um, a Northwestern Mutual person. I have a mortgage lender. I just brought on a new client. I'm super stoked about this young man. He is building his own videography business. And it's the same conversation, right? Um, it's, it's not just industry-based. When we're talking about building a small business, it starts with mindset. It, it, everybody needs to have their own P&L statement. Everybody needs to have their own net worth statement. Everybody has the same challenges when they want to maybe personally improve their life. And so that's what I love about it. It's actually been super fun to coach non-real estate. That would be a lot of fun. and Because I'm do, learning. Doing the podcast, I'm interviewing other businesses. Yes, and, and isn't then it fun? And then hearing their struggles. I'm like, I did that. I went yes. through that. that uh, that's super cool. So you, you were looking to get five more. What are you doing to find them? Or what? how would people reach out to you if they're if they're interested in doing a deep dive? Yeah, I mean, anybody can follow me at Kim Rogney. That's super easy. Or go to kimrogney.com. Um, that will take you to my link tree, which will take you to, you could sign up for a 30-minute 
consultation or whatever. So okay. I'm pretty easy to find on Instagram. Yeah. So. Okay. And now it's leading to more speaking and and books and everything. So what is your, can you tell us about your keynote speech and the presentation and that message that you're sharing with everyone? Yes. And so all of that kind of just morphed and happened a little accidentally, though now I'm being purposeful with my activities. So what had happened was in March, I, well, two months prior to that, I was actually approached by somebody that was leading a real estate um, convention in Minneapolis, and he was looking for a speaker. And I was like, okay, I can, I'm sure I can talk about something. And I realized I was living what I could talk about. And so what had happened is back on January 24th, I know the exact date, a friend of mine had texted me. And she had texted me saying that she wanted to create a new habit and she could not think of anybody else besides myself that she would trust to hold her accountable. My friend, Cindy, who you know, Mm -hmm. is battling ALS. And so she's going three years now on ALS. And one of the things that we decided to do together was to text each other these mindset journal entries because I was creating a new habit around that that I had started at the beginning of the year. So when I had met with her, I was like, well, I don't know, Cindy, what should we do together? I said, well, I can just share with you what I'm doing. Maybe you could just do that with me. And so every morning, we had certain journal prompts that we were following that I had gotten from a podcast, and we would send each other a picture of it every single morning. And something was starting to happen. I was like, I cannot believe that these mindset journal things are actually working. Now, first of all, keep in mind, I know about these. I've read The Miracle Morning. I've done The Savers. I've done other journal entries, but I've never done it consistently. I've done it very inconsistent consistently. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, I would like do it for three weeks, and then I would stop, and then I would do it for a month, and then I would stop. I mean, I have piles and piles of journals. But because I was being held accountable by Cindy, I did it every day. And she was sharing her journal entries. And sharing deep down some struggles that she's going through. And she started to become a better person. I, in her world, I started to become a better person. And little by little, I started sharing this story with other people And then what had happened is unsolicited people would start sending me their journal entries. And what it told me is that we're all walking around with so much more potential, but we don't even realize it. And so that's kind of how the whole speaking thing started to happen. So this gentleman who approached me, I was like, ooh, I could share that story. So then I shared that story. And then more people kept coming up to me and they were like, I wanna learn about that story. Or can you tell me more about this journaling? And so it just kind of morphed. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to listen to the universe because I haven't been, because I've been ignoring it. Because when people would say, hey, you should do this or you should do that, I'd be like, oh, no, not me. I'm not smart enough. Remember, I'm just the pretty one. I'm not smart enough. Well, and now I'm 50. It's hard to keep keep being the pretty one when you get older and older. I'm just going to tell you that right now. 
And so I would I normally would ignore it, and this time I chose not to ignore it. And so that's how the speaking thing kind of happened accidentally. And the journal thing, I was not planning on publishing journals. That was not actually in my business plan for the year, but it just so happens that my sister owns a publishing company. And so it happened. Is she the athletic one or the smart one? She's the smart one. Okay. Well, now we're all beautiful. We're yeah. all smart. Yep. And we're all yep. athletic. But okay. That's amazing. So, it, and thinking back, like it's only been eight months. That's the other thing is I have so much more to do. Like I've barely, barely scratched the surface of the impact that this is going to make on other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned consistency, and I remember you always would say, or we would coach on you not finishing things, you getting really excited about them and then not finishing them. So consistency is the key piece, and mm-hmm. then I think there's magic in sharing it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're doing it consistently, that's awesome. And then you're 10xing it by sharing it with someone and getting there. That is the recipe for success, right? Well, really, the recipe is accountability. Yeah. And so when I was just speaking yesterday and presenting this to a group of women, um, somebody had asked at the end, so about that. And I said, you want to know what? It's not even just the journal entries what I've discovered is it's the accountability piece. And so we're taught accountability in so many other areas of our life. Think about it, you go to a gym. Oh, get a partner, right? Mm -hmm. Then you'll be accountable or um, get a trainer or whatever it might be. There's accountability in fitness. You can even have accountability when it comes to saving money. That's called all the auto deposit. (laughs) The accountability is they just take it out of your account and it goes into your savings. You don't even need to think about it, right? Where are we taught accountability when it comes to our mindset? Never. I, I, I mean, no. Yeah. And so that is one of the greatest lessons because here's the deal. I get up before 6 a.m. And I do my... I write out my journals entry. I send it to Cindy, and I, now I send it to a couple other people. And I don't get hers until 10 a.m. because it takes her two hours to get out of bed now. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't do mine at 6 a.m., because I'm not perfect, nobody is, there is no such thing, I hear the ding. I look down, and I'm like, oh, shit, it's Cindy. And then I do that. Now, then it becomes more of a to-do versus actually internalizing it. Yeah. But if I'm internalizing what my focus is, what I need to release, what I'm grateful for, for eight out of 10 days of the week, I'm winning. But she also holds me accountable. Yeah. And that's what this is all, all this, what I didn't believe would, I mean, I had no idea that this is what it would come to. Okay. What is that journal called? How can people get it? Um, it's called For the Love of Self. So for the love of self, I actually brought one to you as for a gift, um, and you can find it on Amazon. Or again, if you just go to kimrogney.com, you'll there's a link there that takes you to all of my journals because I have three of them. And there's self. So there's for the love of self, which gives you um, your Sunday setup, 
your daily journal entries, your end of the week um, reflection, and it's 13 weeks. So every quarter you can get a new one. Okay. Um, And then there's For the Love of Others. So that one is a little mini one that you can carry around with you because I used to carry around a notebook where I would write down people's names and then when I thought of them, I would, because I'm an action person, I would write down the action I would want to take, like write them a note, DM them a message. And so that one's so that you have a little notebook that you can carry around when you think of other people so you don't forget them. And here's the other thing. I know that you can do that in your phone. I know that you can. But something happens when you put pen to paper. It's it. It's different. It's just totally different. It's actually proven psychologically it's different when you write versus when you type it somewhere. And then the other one is um, For the Love of Inspiration. And that one is just a mini little notebook that you can carry with you in case something inspires you along, along the way or if you're listening to a podcast or whatever. Like today, if I pull out my For the I mean, look at how small these are. You can fit them in your... You don't carry a purse, but you can fit them in your in your uh, my satchel. Uh, yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, I have names that I've written down. Okay. Why you know why this person? I thought of this person or the inspiration one. This one I actually have when I'm listening to podcasts and I write down or quotes. Okay. Type of thing. Actually, the for the love of inspiration is a really good one to take to a convention. Yeah. So if you wanted just really quick snippets or whatever. Okay. So those are all there, and now you're you're building up your keynote speech what's next what are your goals what are you your you said you barely are scratching your potential where where are you headed to next well i can say for speaking i have a goal to speak twice a month i don't know what that looks like yet i mean i am going to be speaking in madison at the women's council and then i have another event coming up in green bay so watch for more on that the next thing that i'm going to do because i'm listening I'm slowing down and I'm listening, is my For the Love of Self journal, because I've been talking about it a lot, um, a couple of people have said, you know, you should build a course around that. I was like, okay, I could do that. So I am going to be launching a group coaching opportunity that's going to be for 12 weeks. I don't have it all together yet. I'm just putting putting it together now but it is going to be around uh, For the Love of Self. So it's gonna be a group coaching opportunity for those that wanna do more of the group coach versus the one-on-one. And then who knows? I don't know, maybe I'll have a podcast someday. (laughs) (laughs) You you mentioned in the prep notes, uh, and and I only mention this because I know you and and I think it's beneficial. Uh, There's a story, you didn't mention this, there's a quick story behind why I'm asking this, but Jim Carrey, the actor, comedian, he was down on his luck as a young man, and he wrote a check to himself for $10 million, and he dated it, a future date, and put it in his wallet and carried it with him everywhere he went. And basically, a week before the date of that check, he got the role in Dumb and Dumber, and he got paid $10 million. So you have a specific goal for speaking fee. I don't know if you want to share that, but I just think it's it's... I like that you have that and you're just like putting it out there because being specific in what you ask for is how you get it. Hmm. I don't know what I put in that Google form because who knows where my mind was at that moment, but I will tell you today. Yeah. We'll see if it matches. Okay. Ooh, this is fun. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I know that I will be hired as a keynote speaker 
for something. I don't know what it will be. I don't necessarily think it has to be real estate related because I speak about mindset mm-hmm. and I speak about your potential. And someone will pay me $50,000 to be their keynote speaker. Okay. So that's even bigger. So oh, in here you wrote 10. Oh! So you five, you five times it in, in two weeks. <laughs> so two weeks from now, it'll be 250. <laughs> well, it also may be because I'm also now studying that industry. Yeah. And sadly, there aren't a lot of women keynote speakers. Okay. And I don't know, like thinking back to all the conventions you go to, the majority of the time it's men on stage. Yeah. Not that there aren't women, right? We can think about Mel Robbins. We can think about um, who was at Mega Camp recently. Mo- Molly, Molly. Bro- Molly Bloom. Yeah. And so, I mean, there are, but right now, as of today, it is definitely a male um, dominant industry. Okay. So. That's amazing. So I think keep that. Tons of potential. Write yourself a check or do what you can. And I mean, I, I do believe it's. It's making the decision. It's being super clear on what you want and then going out and getting it. So briefly, you also have investing goals in real estate, right? Because that's always your your background, your passion. What is your What are your real estate investing goals? Well, Nick and I did set a goal of purchasing and or investing in one business every year for the next 10 years. But we set that goal like three years ago. I should look back. So it's not that. like our 13-year. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an actual 10-year. And we've been on track, if not a little more ahead of track. So that is that is a goal that we have. I would say we're pretty tapped out right now because last year we invested in two things. So um, we're now back to the, like, saving mode. So. And I think, too, I mean, we're, we're going to be wrapping up soon. But it's, it's really cool what you guys did when – one daughter went off to school. You guys had a nice house in the suburbs, and you just said, "You know what? We're we're selling this, and we're gonna move to a duplex and uh, just start that investing journey." So you're you're someone that saves all of their birthday boxes and things, probably right from <laughs> from the past twenty years. So you had to downsize yes, tremendously, yes. and I know there's just a lot of angst or, or things that can come in. To play to not do that, but you guys did it, and now you have that duplex, right? Fully rented. On yeah, both sides? so we have the duplex fully rented. Um, you know, it's funny that you say that, and I don't know. I just all of a sudden I was like, we need to stop saying should ofs, mm-hmm. right? Like I should, I should. So here's a recent thing that we're doing. And my husband was like, okay, we're going to actually do this. I'm like, yep, we're doing it. Is we now live downtown in a condo. And I was like, I think we should sell my car. Because I got into a car accident. And it's been at the car dealership getting fixed since June 19th. Okay, June 19th. It's now August 24th. We just picked it up. Okay. Somehow we survived with one vehicle. I was like... We're selling it. We're going to take that cash. We're going to do something else with it. And, oh, by the way, because we're downtown, we have lots of parking spots, right? And insurance and whatever. And he's like, we're going to do it. I'm like, if it doesn't work out, whatever, I'll go get another car. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. So I don't know. Together, our mindsets have just changed where we're like, if we think of it, it makes sense. We're just going to do it. Because I think that in the beginning of our marriage – and we're now 25 years in, 
we thought about things too much and didn't do, and now we're just doing. Yeah. Just do it. It's cool, too. I mean, like you, you glossed it over, but you guys now, you lived in that duplex for a year, and now you live downtown or in, in a condo right on the, you know, like right yes. on the river. And yes. Just how did cool it. is that? You just did it. It's and, really cool. And and you found that place from an agent saying they had a, an upcoming listing at a meeting, yes. right? And you just went, oh, let's buy this. Let's try were it. You even, were you even thinking about well, I mean, thinking about it, but I you know. just did it. I'll be honest. We <laughs> always would say, and we were not huge. Like, I am learning so much about what's in our own backyard, Milwaukee. I knew nothing about Milwaukee. From time to time, obviously, we would go downtown. We'd go to the Third Ward. But did we know it? No. And we always, whenever we would get downtown, for whatever reason, we liked the energy, the people energy, yeah. whatever. The, the local restaurant energy. We're big foodies. And we would always say, like, maybe someday we should live downtown. But we never really planned it, no. We never really talked about it a ton. It's just, we always said the someday. And you want to know what's really funny? We have people all the time that say to us, oh, yeah, we wish we would do that. Or, yeah, maybe we'll do that. I'm like, what are you wishing for? Yeah. Like, just do it. Yep. Do it. <laughs> That message could be spread upon so much, too. And, and again, this whole no fear concept is just do it. And I, we dealt with fear so much with people fearful of switching companies and will it ruin my business and what will people think and all. It's like, oh, my God, it just it's exhausting. So it's really refreshing to have someone with that just go do it attitude. And you're either going to succeed or you're going to learn mm-hmm. and and have that. Now, one last thing that we didn't talk about is you you did help publish and write another book mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Knowing Worth, yeah. Yeah, and that was a very cool concept. Mm, so and cool. could you just describe that for a little bit as well? Because I think that changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah, for sure. So interesting enough, um, in meeting with real estate agents at that time as a team leader, from time to time when we were going over goals, People would say to me, I, I want to write a book. So that would happen. It was kind of a repeated thing. And so, again, I am blessed because my sister is a publisher and she's written many number one uh, books. I was like, okay, well, what if we were to do this concept of bringing people together that have always wanted to, A, share their story to potentially, you know, change somebody's life or, B, they were just like, hey, I want to write a book. And so that's what we did. So we compiled, you remember, do we have 13 authors in there? I think something like that. I think it's something like that. 13 authors' stories in one book. And here's the other thing then. I also wanted to give the gift to the agents. I wanted to give a gift to bring people, bring us together to be able to be part of something together and create the community of learning about, okay, how do we do this? How do we go about actually publishing a book? And so... In the book, Knowing Worth, it's all, it's stories from real estate professionals, but it's not real estate stories. It's them sharing a story that happened in their life that was life-changing, that in turn, you know, brought worth to themselves. So there's some pretty heart-wrenching stories in there. And, you know, I always like to say, everybody has a story. Everybody that you come in contact with, whether you're at Starbucks, whether you're at Target, whether you're driving down the street and there's a homeless person, 
they have a story. They, they're a human being. And so that's, I believe, what we brought into that book was I'm not just a real estate agent. I have a story to share. Yeah. Be kind. and Yeah. And, and also, it's cool to see what wires people because yeah. those stories typically you can either, you can go one of two ways. You can either go into destruction or, the, you know, that could be their, their whole wiredness, wiredness of success and how they are. And, and so very cool that you were able to do that. And we were able to learn a ton about the process, like you said. Mm-hmm. So it was a great gift that you gave us all. And I guess with that being said, is there anything that we missed or that you did no. that you wanted to discuss? I don't think so. I just thought I want to I just want to read a text from Cindy because Cindy is a integral part to this journey that I'm on and here's what she does. For somebody who has been told she has 3 to 5 years to live. She is looking toward to the future. The reason that she's still living today is because every day she is working on her mindset to live her best life. And don't get me wrong, she has a very supportive husband who who believes the same. And so I just visited them three days ago and I was in their space and where I felt like, okay, should we talk about the future? All they did was talk about the future. Hmm. This is what we're going to do next. This is what we're going to do next. This is what we're going to do next. And the message that I got from them was they believe it. They believe it. Yeah. And so whatever your next is, you have to believe it. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Like they are teaching me so much right now. And so I I just want to read her text. So yesterday, this is what she sent me when I was presenting in front of this group of the ladies Uh, the women's council I said what would you share with them any advice would you give to this group of realtor moms and the subject was um, reaching your goals and um, balancing motherhood (laughs) that could be a whole nother podcast okay she said tell them to always put family first believe they can do both and enjoy their time working because if they don't enjoy working their family will feel it and know it Mm. Yeah. So I'm just going to end with that because okay. that's perfect. That is perfect. Well, thank you. I can't wait to interview you again in 13 years or for the yeah. 100th episode because I think you're on a big trajectory. You know, you, you've done a lot in this little bit of time. So there is that hockey stick growth, you know, where it's a little bit, little bit, little bit, and then it just takes off. So next time we interview you, you'll, you'll be a $50,000 keynote speaker. Yeah. I have a feeling. That's right. Cool. Thank you so much, and I hope you guys enjoy this. Thanks.